You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 372. In this episode, I talk to Jessica Lorimer about how to add a corporate revenue stream to your business in less than one hour a day. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today, I speak to Jessica Lorimer, a sales coach and leadership expert who helps her clients sell to corporate organizations. After a corporate career as one of the industry's highest performing salespeople, she is now responsible for the huge success of entrepreneurs selling their services to corporate organizations. Today, we speak about how you can add a corporate revenue stream to your business in less than one hour a day. Before we dive in, I want to talk about my latest program. The online turnaround program is an intensive group coaching program where you will get the guidance and exact strategies you need to have a thriving online business in just 10 weeks. When you join, you get the in-depth support you need to market and sell your new recession-proof offer and set your business up for long-term success. If you want to start to making sales and create cash flow fast, no matter if you need to take your offline business online or want to grow and secure your existing online business, this program is for you. Go to the show notes at signal.com forward slash 372, where you can find links to the online turnaround program, plus all the links to Jessica Lorimer. I am so excited to be here with Jessica Lorimer and talk about how you can add a corporate revenue stream to your business in less than an hour a day. Welcome on the show, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm genuinely so excited about this. (laughs) I am excited too. So we have been connecting a lot recently, and I think our listeners were here that I guess if you're listening to my podcast for a while... There is a different tone when I know someone a little bit better than if they're totally fresh to the show. And there's nothing I can change about that. That's just how things are. Because if you know someone and you kind of, I see them on video and we're smiling and we're figuring things out, uh, it's a different energy. So just to let people know how we know each other, uh, we are together in a mastermind, the premier group with Ali Brown. But before that, weren't we connected on Facebook? We were. And I think I'd actually met you at, I want to say Youpreneur. I think it was the Youpreneur Summit in maybe 2017. And you had all of your cool people in red. And you took a photo. And I was so like, oh, that's really cool. And I think I met you in, I'm going to say the pub, because that is where I meet everybody when I go to those kinds of things. Probably, yeah. probably, but yes. We had a chat at the pub, and I remember thinking, "Oh, she's really cool. Like, that's a really cool model." Uh, and I loved how all of your people showed up wearing red, and I thought, "Oh, that's just really, really cool." And then I heard about you again before I joined Premier because we we connected, and then I think you were off doing uh, making Sumba like this huge, amazing uh, movement. 
And I was hearing about you because I'm friends with Janet Murray. And so Janet was saying to me, oh, I've just seen Sigrun at whatever event it was that she'd seen you speaking at. And so it was one of those things where I guess because perhaps because we're both in in Europe, you know, you just come across people a bit more often because the market is a bit smaller here. Yeah. So here we are. And we want to talk about how people can add a corporate revenue stream to the business. And I know that some of you might not been thinking about this at all, but we're going to dive into how you can actually do it and why this is a good thing for someone who hasn't thought of it also. But still, Jessica, I always love to share people's stories and ask them and poke and uh, figure out like, you know, how come you do what you do today? Like, what's, what's the story? So I had a sudden urge there to sing that What's the Story Morning Glory song, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> this is not karaoke. So for me, I started my business in 2014. I had been in a really successful corporate career that I loved. I was setting up new sales divisions for different types of FTSE 500 companies globally. And I really enjoyed my job. People often talk about escaping their corporate job, but I loved it. And if I hadn't had to leave... I probably wouldn't have. I I probably wouldn't have a business today and I'd probably be very happily carrying my briefcase into more meetings. But I was diagnosed with a chronic illness in 2014. I was diagnosed with ME. And the doctor, when they sat down and had the diagnosis chat with me, explained that it was either I give up the hours I've been putting into my job, which I was doing sort of 70, 80 hours a week and lots of travel and lots of pressure, or I would be in a wheelchair and bedridden by the time I was 35. And that was a really hard look at just how much my work had kind of caught up with my health. I couldn't, you know, function. I would be bedridden for weeks at a time. It was really demoralizing and really disheartening. And so I went to my boss and I said, look, this is the situation. Can I perhaps go part-time or something like that? And he said, well, I'm really sorry, but that's not how we work. It's full-time or bust and they were really great about it you know they they gave me a a really good uh, notice period and I had three months to wind down and during that three months I said to them I'm going to build a business and they all laughed (laughs) they were like okay of course you are whatever Uh, but within that three months as fortunate I replaced my corporate salary and I started building my business from there when I left I continued working one-to-one with clients. I was teaching sales psychology, how people should be selling with integrity, how people can apply the personality styles to their sales. And six years later, I ended up with this, this great business. And then last year, when I started working with Ali, and I met you again and, and reconnected with some of the ladies in the Premier Group, I realized that my business was doing really well, but that I wasn't necessarily totally happy with it. And I don't know whether you've ever been in that situation, but I just felt like it had got a bit stagnant. I was doing the same thing. I was making great money. I was loving my clients. You know, there was nothing wrong. So I felt really guilty about it. But at the same time, I knew this wasn't the business that I wanted moving forward for the next five or six years. And so it took quite a lot for me to turn around and pivot my business. But one of the things I've been doing behind the scenes with my private clients was obviously teaching them how to sell business to business and sell their services into corporates. And my clients who were doing that were picking up work really quickly. They were really enjoying it. And I was seeing them have the freedom that actually a lot of my other clients wanted, but couldn't have because of the, you know, the need to post on social media regularly and, and, and other various factors that we'll talk about later. But 
they were doing really, really well and they'd replaced their incomes relatively easily. And then it meant they could focus on being an influencer if they wanted to or not if they didn't, you know. And so within the last eight months, we've pivoted the entire business. We set up a brand new podcast. We created our first or inaugural Converting Corporates event, which we sold out in November, which was huge because I wasn't expecting to, which is always good. Um, And we are focusing on uh, a program that I run and, and we've got, we're aiming to have about 150 people in there by the end of the year. And we're at 35 so far so we're not doing too badly like yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's, it's been a big big transition yeah I, I think it's interesting you build a business and you think it is what you want to be doing and then you realize at some point I'm like oh this wasn't actually where I wanted to end up yeah it's so strange isn't it because I think a lot of us go through these phases with businesses where you know a lot of people start and they'll do one-to-one coaching then you build a business of one-to-one coaching and you realize that actually it's a lot of work. And so that's why most people then move to group or memberships and, and things like that. And I just ended up in that boat. I'd, I'd done the one-to-one, I'd done the group, I'd done the membership and I'd, I'd done it all really successfully. I was very, very fortunate. And then I went, mm, yeah, no, I, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And, you know, it wasn't that I didn't love my clients. It wasn't that I didn't I wasn't proud of how well they were doing. It was just, I didn't want to show up every day and talk about the same things every day. So corporate revenue does not come as a, let's say, oh, you wake up and like, oh, I want to add corporate revenue to my online business. And and and, and you might, might even be in a situation, you know, many of the listeners might even be like, well, my online business isn't that successful yet. So why should I be doing this? Or it's super successful and then like this, even maybe less of a reason to do something about it. So why would someone do that? It's such a good question. So, and, and there are two angles. If your business is not, your online business is not yet as successful as you would like it to be, it's much simpler to sell to corporates. So actually, if you want to give yourself the cash flow to help your online business take off and you don't want to go back into a full-time job, get a corporate revenue stream. The average UK corporate sale is worth £10,000. The average UK B2C sale is worth 1500 So effectively, you could actually work less hard to generate five times the amount. And that would ha- happily supplement you know, your online business when it's struggling. And believe me, over the last six years, my business is, I, like I say, it's, I've been very, very fortunate, but I've always had a corporate revenue stream because it helps me develop my skills as a trainer, it helps me understand what shifts are going on in the market. It gives me credibility and authority that I perhaps wouldn't otherwise have in my industry. And so if you're a successful business owner and you think, well, hang on a minute, why should I just add more money to the bottom line? It's not so much about necessarily just adding more money. Yes, there is that huge potential for 10,000, 20,000. I've just had a client who had a multi six-figure deal signed with a a company in January. And it's not just about the money, even though it's there, it's about, am I always learning in my business? And sometimes we're not, sometimes we get to that point, like I did last year, where we're just kind of coasting and you know we're, we're going, all right, well, this is great, but what else? And actually working with a corporate in some way, shape or form, whether it's remotely or face-to-face or creating a license training or turning your existing online course into a license training, it gives you a different level of expertise. 
because only the truly qualified can sell successfully to a corporate. And so it does give you a different expertise, it gives you a different visibility, and it gives you more credibility in your market. Mm. So give me an example of what you would be actually selling. Are you selling your time or are you selling something that is a little bit more scalable? So you can do both. And again, it's it's one of those things, just like in the online world, where most people start out with one-to-one or done for you, and then they'll migrate. Sometimes we see that with people who sell to corporates. It, there's not necessarily a hard and fast model for it. But with corporates, you can either do uh, or sell face-to-face offers, like, for example, lunch and learn sessions, workshops that you deliver in person or virtually, but live. Or, and, and what my clients sometimes prefer to do, is to sell more passive forms of corporate support so they are selling licensed trainings e-learning modules they are selling automated or recorded webinars they're selling their existing um, memberships and providing support to companies that way so actually you can scale it as much as you want you can go in and you can do these smaller sessions that are worth between 250 and a thousand pounds for an hour's work or you can go in and you can create an entire licensed training and that might be delivered across three different continents and you know hundreds of thousands of people globally creating a huge impact yeah so how do you start to add this you know the promises or the title of the episode is <laughs> that uh only an hour a day and you could add that corporate revenue stream. So how do you exactly go about it? There are three steps, really. The first step to make it as time efficient as possible, always get your foundations right. And that's the bit that most people miss. They'll jump in and they'll start thinking, right, well, I'm just going to go and pitch a bunch of things to different people on LinkedIn uh, and hopefully that will work. And that's never going to work for the same reason it doesn't work in the online space, because unless you have the information, it's really hard to approach them with an offer that's going to be successful. So what we want to do is set our foundations to create the right success. So in your first, let's say your first week of deciding you're going to add a corporate revenue stream, if we were to do this over a month, which you wouldn't, by the way, because it would kill you, You'd, <laughs> your brain would be fried. But if you wanted to, In your first week, what you do is you set your foundations. So in that first week, the first hour of every day, you go, right, today I'm going to choose what industry I want to specialize working with. When you specialize in working with an industry, you can provide very, very different levels of value to that sales call when that inevitably happens. Okay. So most people specialize in a discipline, like I would be sales, you might be marketing, you know, someone else might be speaking, et cetera. But you also want to specialize in a type of industry that you're interested in. So for me, it was always fashion. Um, For one of my clients, it's aviation. She loves planes and her partner is a pilot. So it makes complete sense for her to be there. You know, one of my clients, it's financial services. And then we've got lots and lots of different industries that you could look at. You could even look at things or industries where you've come from, your background. Pick one and assume that that's going to be your industry to focus on for 90 days. If at the end of 90 days, you don't like working with them, or you feel like it's really hard, you haven't enjoyed it, you haven't had as much success. Great, move on. That's nice and easy. So in that first week, you're going to set your industry, and you're going to start understanding who the key stakeholders are that you need to connect with. So who would actually be the person who would be responsible for buying from you? Who has the budget? So that might be a director of a specialist department, So if I was going to go and pitch to corporates and talk about sales, I'd definitely be building a relationship with that sales director because he ultimately is going to be the person who can tell me what the problems are. 
I'd also be building a relationship with HR directors because ultimately they're the people who are probably going to have to get me through the contracts process and things later down the line. So start mapping out your stakeholders. And by the end of that week, all you need to know is who's my industry that I'm going to target? How can I demonstrate to them that I'm interested in it? I can predict trends, share insights, have credible conversations about the industry. And then who are the people that I need to target? In the second week, you want to spend your hour a day actually connecting with those prospects on LinkedIn. Or if you work in other ways, um, I teach six different ways for lead generation, but for the purpose of brevity, otherwise your podcast will go forever. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about LinkedIn connections because it's the easiest and everyone has access to a free tool and you know it, it doesn't take too much time. So in that second week, you're going to spend your time what I call market mapping. And if you've worked in sales before or recruitment before, you'll have heard this term. And that means that you're going to go out and you're going to make a list of maybe the five top, 10 top companies that you want to work with. And you're going to note down the positions of the stakeholders that you want to contact. And over the course of that week, you're going to find out who they are on LinkedIn and you're going to be connecting with them. And you're going to say, you know, this is what I specialize in. I'd love to connect with you. And that's where you're going to start building that relationship. Yeah. In your third week, what you're going to be doing is arranging calls. So that's why you're going to start arranging those business development calls with those stakeholders that you've connected with. And you can do that with your initial connection message, or you can do it with your follow-up message, depending on how receptive those people are. And usually, if you have put together a really nice um, LinkedIn connection request, often people will come back and say, oh, that sounds great. You know, you've caught us at a great time. Like, let's have a chat about that next week or the week after or whenever. So you would actually start booking in those what I call business development calls and you would pop those into your diary. And then in the fourth week, you would have those calls. So when you have those calls, things start to move quite quickly afterwards. And during those calls, your job is to find out what are the pain points for the organization? You know, what do they struggle with when it comes to your specialist area? Your job is to find out the impact. What are those pains costing them? And, and why should they be fixing them? And that call will self-educate the stakeholder. If you're asking person questions about situational fluency, about pain, about impact, they're going to start thinking, wow, this person's really credible. And yes, they're right. We do have this issue, but they're not going to have that experience in a, has anyone ever heard somebody who thinks they're an authority? They show up in the space and I see this a lot online and, you know, someone will write a really great post. I don't know if this has happened to you, um, but you'll write a really great post about something and someone will immediately jump into the comments and be like, well, actually I'm the expert in this and da, 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 da. And you're like, oh man, really? Like that's how you decided to share your expertise? Not cool. And so what we want to do for these stakeholders is not to have that experience. We don't want to ring them and be like, well, I'm the expert da, blah, 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 and, and talk at them because that doesn't actually teach them anything. It doesn't educate them that they have the problem. And frankly, you showing up and saying, well, obviously you have this issue because everyone else does is rude and offensive. And that's going to get them on the defense. Even if they don't like the company that they're working with, they're going to be like, well, I don't like this woman. And I'm not going to tell that my company's rubbish and that they're not prioritizing X, Y, because why should they? Yeah. So make sure that when you're having those calls, you're almost coaching people to the point where they recognize, oh, yeah, actually, this is something that we struggle with and we should be doing something differently. And at that point, you can say, great, you know, would you like to, me to talk about some solutions with you? Perhaps we can brainstorm, like, what would be the best fit for your organization? And do you see what happens there is you naturally position that sale with them 
they've got to the point of education, they're interested, great, let's offer them a solution. And that's what happens. And in a month, that's how your entire business can just turn around. You know, and obviously you can shorten those timescales. If you if you do great with um, LinkedIn connections, for example, and it's really easy for you to book calls, you'll find that that timeline decreases. You know, most of the people who start working um, with me to sell to corporates, they're landing their first client within six weeks. You know, that's a very, very short time, but it's because they're getting those foundational pieces right. And that's moving them forward much, much quicker. Mm. But someone might be listening right now and said, oh, I don't see what I've got to sell to corporate. Like, I have no idea. And I know you have a good example. We have lots. Yeah, you have, there was this lady you told me about that does menopause. That is, she is amazing. Okay, so this is a great example of how something that you think you can only sell to individuals and now she's selling a corporate. So explain that a little bit more. So Julie, first and foremost, is one of my favorite people in the world because she is a marathon runner, she's a gin drinker, and she is the only person that I know who really, she grits her teeth and she goes for it. And in 2018, December 2018, she came to me and said, Jess, I'm not happy with my business. And she had been selling one-to-one services to women going through the menopause. She'd been doing that. She had a big Facebook group of about 1,500 people. She had been doing all of the right things. She was on social media. She was writing newsletters. She was doing it. And one of the biggest things that I noticed about this particular industry, and there are other industries like it, but what I noticed was that women who were talking about going through the menopause, they weren't necessarily always looking to invest in themselves. They were looking to whine about it. And rightly so. Like, it's a really, really crap time. <laughs> you know, we're all going like, Meh. the menopause on our top list of things to do in life, probably not up there. Like, it's, it's, it's way down the list. So rightly so, these women were moaning about it. But that makes it really hard to show up every day and try and be positive and try and be upbeat. And Julie had done a great job of this. But, you know, these women weren't ready. And so we looked at her business. We sat down in January that year and we went, right, okay, what can we do? And we started approaching corporates. She got rid of her Facebook group, I think in week two of us working together. So we worked together for six weeks. She got rid of her Facebook group in week two. On week three, she was out. She'd chosen her industry. She was connecting on LinkedIn with these stakeholders. She was booking calls on week four. And on week six, she'd signed her first corporate client. And she was selling a lunch and learn session to help companies communicate differently around menopause. And over the last year and a half, she has been fully booked. She had, didn't do business development last year for like nine months, which I keep laughing at her about because she was getting so many referrals. She was asked to chair and facilitate a panel discussion at the House of Lords. She really took the industry, you know, nobody was talking about menopause. I mean, who wants to talk about menopause? Let's face it. Like, it's, it's not the first thing you want to chat about. But she really made this conversation mainstream in the corporate world. And as a result, corporate started talking about it. And they're now implementing different policies. They are looking at communication. They're looking at how men deal with menopause. They are huge issues around binary individuals and identities around menopause and, and things. And so actually, it's become this huge conversation. And now everybody's like, well, okay, great. I'm just going to go and do that. But you know, Julie cultivated that. She started that. She, you know, really, really sparked that conversation. And 
I think it's important to say she's been fully booked, but also more importantly, I think she's been able to take lots of holidays. You know, she went to Vegas with her friends. She, you know, went off and had lovely holidays with her husband. She spent time with her family. And those were things that perhaps she wasn't able to do when she was serving the B2C market, because it is so reactive. And there is a lot of social media and presence that is needed to keep that up. And so what's actually been lovely to watch is that her business has grown and grown and grown and and made more money, but also that she's been able to step out of it more often. And I really, I think that's something to aspire to. Yeah. And I love that you you kind of like lunch and learn seems to be the, the easiest sell because, you know, they they are often looking for speakers or interesting topics that might be completely different from what the business actually does. But ultimately what this story shows is that now she's like the go-to person in her niche and probably has created jobs for other menopause coaches because the demand is then suddenly bigger. So that's that's a beautiful side product of, of building your own business. You have built businesses for others by carving out that niche. So she has then probably become more like a speaker now. She is she is invited. I think she's doing four four or five talks this year as a keynote speaker um, for various different events. Last year, obviously, she chaired the um, House of Lords panel discussion. And speakers get really well paid in corporate. You know, I was uh, I was having a chat with Brian Fanze the other day, and obviously, he's somebody who's done this really successfully. And speakers are getting really well paid to talk in corporate organizations as keynote speakers as lunch and learn speakers you know I I know a lot of entrepreneurs who will speak on stages for free and I think absolutely in in some cases if the room is full of your ideal clients sometimes that's a great move but corporates generally will pay you for that you know whereas other entrepreneurs might not you know you might go and do a guest expert training for somebody that you don't know that well but you won't necessarily get paid for it because it's expected that it will be about exposure And I think there's a very big difference between doing a a guest expert training for a friend that you know, and you think, right, yes, absolutely. I want to help them. I want to, you know, genuinely impact their audience. But there's a big difference between when you're starting out and your business is struggling and you're like, I'm teaching all of these people for somebody else and they're paying that other person. They're not paying me. And and that's not fair. Whereas a corporate won't do that. They're going to pay you for your time, for your expertise. That's a huge difference. Yeah. But I want to talk again about the social media because you kind of hinted at it, but we didn't really spend time on it specifically, is that when you start to work for a corporate and you might even at some point decide to go fully into that area and stop B2C, is that they don't care about your social media presence. No, they don't. They really don't. Even if you're a social media manager, they don't care. And it's it's a great thing. I So I hate social media and I've, I've been very, very open about this for a number of years. I think it's so pervasive and it's incredibly dangerous for people to see the highlight reel all of the time. And I know that we're all guilty of it. Let, let's face it, my Facebook feed is mainly made up of my dog. You know, that's that's pretty much all I talk about. But it's really disheartening for entrepreneurs to be in an environment constantly that has taught them all, you should be making six figures in six months when you start out. And if you're not, then you're a failure because then you get into this really awful cycle. And unless they find people like you or me or, you know, any of our colleagues in the States, it's really hard for them to actually make a success of it. I don't like that aspect. I don't like the fact it's so reactive. I think, you know, people spend way too much time on social media and not enough time selling. 
And the great thing about corporate is they don't care how many Instagram followers you've got. You know, if you tell them, they're kind of like, oh, nice. But why do they care? What they care about is how can you solve our problem? How can you demonstrate to us that you actually can empathize with our problem, that you can articulate it, that you can understand it, and that you can help us move through it? And that's what they're worried about. They're not worried about how good your website looks. They don't care how many times a day you post on social media. They're not really bothered whether you are an influencer or not, unless you are somebody, like I mentioned earlier, Brian Fanzo, and that is his job to be a social influencer for organizations. They just don't care. That's not what is interesting to them. And it's also not how they find you. So they're not necessarily exposed to that. What they are exposed to is quality content that you might put out on LinkedIn. For example, if you are somebody who likes to write articles or you love video or podcasting, whatever, great, promote that on LinkedIn. And and you'll get people who listen, who are interested and engaged. What I would say to people is that corporate stakeholders are the people who are more likely to consume your content. And they are usually focused on higher barrier to entry content, things that make them think, things that provoke discussion, posts or podcasts or videos or downloads, white papers, reports that are designed to challenge something they believe in some way so that they can change something. They're not looking at, you know, have you got a selfie with Gary V? They, you know, they don't know who Gary V is quite likely. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, you, you don't know. Uh, what they are looking for is, are you congruent? Are you talking about the same things or are you flip-flopping? You know, one minute you're talking about menopause, the next minute you're talking about nutrition. That's not going to make sense to them. So you've got to keep it congruent, but you don't actually have to produce tons of broadcast content because they're not, your HR manager isn't scrolling through the LinkedIn feed going, oh, I wish somebody who did health and wellbeing would come and talk to us about Pilates this week. Oh, let me scroll through and see if there are any posts. That's not relevant to them. What they are going to be looking for is those proactive relationships that you're building. And that proactive relationship building is is way more important than anything you're going to post on social. Yeah. And they are used to being approached because uh, I get a little bit annoyed when I get LinkedIn messages, especially if someone sent me a friend request. I accept it because I say, oh, well, this is a woman. She is in the coaching, whatever, consulting industry. I'll accept her. And the next day they want to sell me something. Yeah. Like that is really annoying. But you are saying in the corporate world, this is very normal. It is very normal. And if we look at how businesses differ, say, for example, it comes back to what I was talking about earlier, actually, when we're talking about if we don't know somebody has a problem, it's not really fair to assume that they do and try and sell them something because that's what makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. They assume you have a problem. They're trying to sell you something. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I have a multiple seven million bit, seven figure business. And they were trying to sell me how to get to six figures. And I'm like, you didn't even go to my website or read my profile. Like, excuse me. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's offensive and we take offense. The great thing about corporates is that it's way more transparent and, and they understand that they're using LinkedIn as a professional networking platform. And that's the thing. A lot of people, when we're in the online space, we forget that we should be using this as a professional networking tool. And that doesn't mean spamming people with stuff they don't need or want. What that does mean is proactively building relationships with people to find out if you can help them. And maybe you can't. There will be occasions where a company will just be like, oh, yeah, we're not prioritizing that until 2022. Sorry. And that's whatever. What can you do? But 
the reality is that if you're approaching people on LinkedIn, you're transparent about it. And you're saying, hey, I'd love to connect with you because I want to, you know, I want to create a white paper about this or I want to talk to you about that. They have every right then to say, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Or hmm, I'm not the right person for you to talk to about that. You need to go and talk to somebody in whatever department. Or no, no is a full sentence. <laughs> like, yes, no is a full sentence. I like that. Yeah. That's the great thing about it. It can be much more transparent. I think in some ways that's why people worry about selling to corporates because it is more transparent because your rejection might be you just get a no one day and, and you're like, oh, but why? And you might not ever know. You know, that's the thing. But the reality is we're not looking at our social media posts and going, oh, well, only 38 people liked that. So what about the other 5,000 people on my friend list that didn't? Like, what was wrong with the post? We're going, oh, great. 38 people liked it. Woohoo! We feel validated. So I think, you know, you've got to start if you're looking to add a corporate revenue stream, don't be afraid to be transparent. But don't pitch off the back because that's just rude. Like you don't know who they are. You don't know what they need. But building relationships with the intention to sell is never, never wrong on a professional networking platform where you're transparent about that from the beginning. That's the important thing. You know, someone approached you on LinkedIn, Sigrun, and said, hey, you know, I, I'm a VA that specializes in working with seven-figure business owners because I realized that you have different needs and, and capabilities across your business. I'd love to connect with you and stay in touch in case you need support. You might go, oh, okay, well, I don't need that right now, but I'm happy to connect. And I'm happy to say, look, I don't need it right now, but happy to connect and keep you in mind. Yeah. Right? It's a very different prospect. It's transparent and it's intentional, but it's not that awkward, oh, let's be friends. And then, you know, oh, you have a dog. I have a dog. Oh, we should chat. Like, I hate the ones that, oh, we should catch up catch up I don't know you <laughs> I have no idea who you are and they're like we should catch up though and I'm like about what give me an agenda oh no 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 like we just catch up and then you have this really awkward like 30 minute conversation where they clearly want to pitch you but they don't know how that's awkward that's uncomfortable that's sleazy but connecting with somebody and saying on a professional networking platform I'd love to connect with you because xyz gives them the opportunity to say yes or no and that's only the opening door you need because after that, it's just talking to people, you know, from person to person. Yeah, exactly. So I love the menopause story. I think that comes always to my mind because I was like, yeah, does this work for everyone? And I'm like, oh, the menopause story. Yeah, okay. It does work for everyone. <laughs> it does. It really does. And I have clients that are doing, you know, they're in incredible industries. There are lots of people who are working within mindset, who are working with executive leaders. I have one lady, she um, helps corporate travelers with jet lag so they can arrive for meetings fresh and prepared, you know, no matter where they're traveling. I think that's an awesome niche. I have a guy who he just put together um, the biggest talent development conference in the United States and brought loads of people together. And he incidentally just interviewed um, Claude Silver, who is Gary V's HR director uh, for VaynerMedia you know so people are doing some really really cool things and they're combining their b2b world and their b2c world you know it's not one or the other it's an addition to your business that helps to diversify your business portfolio that can be really important for you and I love that I do think it builds also a lot of credibility which you mentioned before but I think to emphasize that even if it doesn't become 
your main revenue stream. It's just an add-on. Maybe it's a few speaking engagement or lunch and learn sessions, and you never want to take it a lot further than that. I do think it gives you a, a great credibility uh, and authority that spills over to your B2C market. Massively. I mean, who doesn't want to work with the coach who is helping executive leaders at Facebook? You know, if you're a Facebook ads coach and you're working with, you know, some of the top agencies, top ad agencies on Facebook ads, who's not going to want to hire you? You know, it's it's that kind of thing. The credibility does spill over everywhere. And also we have to remember the online world is getting so saturated. It's becoming easier than ever to do things that previously demonstrated credibility. You know, everyone... I remember when I first started and anyone who had a book, I was like, oh my God, they've written a book. Like, wow, this is huge. Now, if I see people and they haven't written a book, I'm like, oh my God, like it would have taken you like a weekend. Why have you not done it by now? (laughs) Like, It's a terrible thing. I haven't written a book. (laughs) (laughs) Consider this your your warning. This is my warning. Yeah. You know, and and that probably makes you stand out in, in the coaching industry that you haven't gone down the route of, right, well, I'll write a vanity book because effectively that's what they've become great I'll publish something it'll be like maybe a hundred pages I saw someone promoting the book the other day and it was 12 pages long I'm like that's not even a book that's that's like that's like barely a b it's just a you know it's one of those things that it became this huge credibility factor and people were taught like use your book as your business card but does that really work now like you know because everyone can do it it's so easy but only qualified people can add a corporate revenue stream because they're not going to buy from anybody that they don't believe in, that they don't believe can help them get the results. I love that, Jessica. And now, how do people find you online? Oh, of course. So you can, I thought you were going to come out with a really awkward question or something there. (laughs) (laughs) Serious. Um, So if you are interested in adding a corporate revenue stream to your business, Honestly, the best place for you to check out would be my podcast. It's called Selling to Corporate. It's on iTunes and every other major podcast player. And from there, you know, you can dig into episodes specifically about business development, about following up, how to write proposals, that kind of thing. And that's the best place for you if you're exploring, just to find out more information and to see if it's something that you would be interested in. So we'll link that up in the show notes, also your website. But uh, yeah, most people will probably check out the podcast first. Jessica, it's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to see you very soon in Miami, right? That's the next time we'll see each other. I'm very, very excited. I can't wait to give you a big squeeze. Ah, okay. See you soon, Jessica. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Go to the show notes at sigma.com forward slash 372, where you can find the links to the online turnaround program that I talked about in the intro plus all links to Jessica Lorimer. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle Sigrun.com or the hashtag Sigrun Show. And if you haven't left me a review yet, I would so appreciate that you did that because that helps other entrepreneurs like yourself find this podcast. I'll see you in the next episode.